0: We come now, brethren, to the preaching of God's word, and I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter and the fifth chapter, the book of 1 Peter and the fifth chapter this morning, and I'll be reading and then preaching on verses 1 through 4. That's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 this morning. I invite you to read along silently as I read aloud our text of Scripture. First Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Here Peter writes, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for the privilege that is ours this morning to gather in the name of Christ and to hear your word preached. And we would ask now for the work of the Holy Spirit, that he would be our teacher and guide, and he would lead us through this section of Scripture and reveal it to us in such a way that our thinking is changed and our lives are transformed, that we would be the kind of people that you've called us to be, and that we would desire to love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our souls. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we come to a new section in the book of 1 Peter, and to a new chapter, and a new theme. And the new theme being the need for genuine humility in the church the need for genuine humility in the church. For having mentioned every Christian's giftedness for service back in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verses 10 and 11, and having also mentioned the need for judgment to begin at the house of God, as we saw last week in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17, Peter now addresses what our Christian service should look like if it is to be indeed directed by genuine humility as opposed to self-interest or self-will for any activities within the Church of Jesus Christ that are not directed by genuine humility are not true Christian service and whenever there is an absence of true humility within the church there will always be problems. So here in this section that begins in verse 1 and actually goes down to verse 11, Peter appeals for Christian service in the church that is not only Christ-centered but clothed in genuine humility, clothed in genuine humility. Humility. And let us notice here from our text this morning that as Peter begins this section, his exhortations are directed first of all to the elders of the church, to the elders of the church, to those who have been given gifts and graces to lead the church and who stand as office bearers before the church. And no doubt Peter addresses the elders here first. Because if anyone within the church should be Christ-centered in their focus, if anyone within the church should be clothed with humility in the service that they perform, it should be the elders of the church. For elders are first and foremost servants of Jesus Christ. And they, in following the path of service that Christ has appointed for them, should be characterized, should be known by genuine humility. In fact, an elder who fails to walk in humility before God has forgotten that he is Christ's servant. And he will ultimately fail to model for God's flock what genuine Christ-like service and selflessness actually looks like. And so the apostle Peter was wise to address his exhortations first to the elders of the church, to those who have been placed by Christ within and among the flock of God to teach them and to demonstrate to them what Christ had commanded with respect to true humility in service. And notice that Peter addresses the elders here in verse 1 as one who was an elder himself one who was an elder himself and this one who had been taught the need for genuine humility throughout the course of his own life and ministry as a servant of Jesus Christ. In fact if we remember the life and the trials and struggles of Peter then we can certainly see how humility was an important theme for Peter and how he remembered the many lessons of humility that he learned throughout the course of his life and ministry. For Peter writes here in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 5, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and the witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. And no doubt by introducing himself in this way, Peter was not boasting in any way nor was he claiming superiority over the other elders. Peter by no means shows himself here as a man who believed that he was the first Christian pope, as Roman Catholics would claim and suggest to us, but rather Peter was exercising true, genuine humility here. Peter saw himself first as an elder in the same lowly sense That his readers were. For Peter had not been called to be a prince or to be a king over God's people. And those men who are called into the eldership of the church of Jesus Christ are not called to be princes. Not called to be served. They are not called to be kings. They are not called to dominate and manipulate people at will. But Peter had been placed among the people of God to show forth who Jesus Christ is and to model genuine humility before the people. In fact, that's one of the tasks of an elder, not just to stand up and speak, not just to be in the limelight, so to speak, but to be modeling actively what genuine humility really looks like. In fact, the leadership that Peter had been called to provide as an elder of the Church of Jesus Christ was not unlike the leadership that Jesus Christ expressed, and, of course, that's on purpose. We, as leaders in the Church, are not to have leadership like the heathen rulers and leaders who order their followers and promote their own glory, but as Christian elders, we are to minister to those who belong to Jesus Christ in the way that Jesus Christ would have us to minister to them. And so when Peter identifies himself as a fellow elder here in verse 1, he is simply and very humbly counting himself among those lowly and gifted men who were given the kind of leadership role that I just described. And it is out of Peter's own experience as an elder As one of the first to be called by Christ to be an elder, Peter now addresses his fellow elders here in verse 1. For Peter is writing here in this section as one who knows the calling of an elder well, since he himself had been called to that calling. He had walked for years in that calling. And not only does Peter write here as a fellow elder... But he also writes, as he states here in verse 1, as a witness of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. A witness of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And no doubt in the context of all that Peter has written about in this letter, about Christ's sufferings, you know that's been the theme throughout this letter, and about how Christ serves as an example to us in our own suffering. It's likely that Peter is introducing himself here as one who understood that serving God involves suffering. Serving God involves suffering and that we are to receive it with humility, especially as those who are called to suffer as elders within the church. In fact, it's interesting as we study the role of elders that God does not guarantee elders success. He does not guarantee them any sense or realization, or promotion, or glory, he does guarantee they will suffer. He does guarantee that their ministry, in many respects, will be like the ministry of Christ, which is the way it should be. For if Jesus Christ, who is the chief shepherd, suffered at the hands of evil and angry sinners, Can those who are called to be under-shepherds in the church expect to endure anything less than Jesus did? Of course not. And this should give us cause to be humble. For the mere presence of God's gifts operating within us will not be sufficient to sustain us when the heat is on and when the trials are intense. Nor will the mere existence alone Of other people to assist us in the ministry, keep us on an even keel when the seas around the church are choppy and unruly and when the waves are battering against us and God's people with increasing force. No, what keeps an elder of Christ steady in the midst of the storm is the Holy Spirit at work within him and the spirit of humility genuine humility that God has given to him. A spirit that understands that God has wisely ordained all things that come to pass and that he will give the grace to his elders, to his men, to his leaders to endure all things. And the understanding also that those in leadership must be the first to submit to God's rule even when suffering is a part of that. And so, as Peter writes to his fellow elders here in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 5, he writes as one who knows firsthand what suffering as a Christian involves. And let me just say, in my experience, knowing many men in the ministry and men who have served in the eldership, that's what many of them, including myself, know of firsthand. We know what it is in some respects to suffer for Jesus Christ. That's our qualification in many respects, even more than formal education or learning. We have been with Christ. Christ has transformed us. Christ has brought us through suffering and Christ continues to do so. And he gives us a spirit of true humility that is required to suffer well. Then thirdly, let us note that Peter introduces himself to his fellow elders here in verse one as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. A partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. And of course in saying this, Peter's not boasting here either he's he's not saying that through his own faithfulness or through his own perseverance in the faith he has obtained a place of glory for himself he's he's not saying here that he had earned the right to partake in some future privilege reserved only for elders who had reached a particular level of growth and maturity Peter knew his own heart all too well to make such claims He possessed far too much humility to believe that he was entitled to anything. No, Peter understood that what he had received, what he could expect as a partaker of the glory that was to come, had been given to him by grace, given to him by grace. In fact, Peter had not earned anything. All that Peter had, even by means of humility, had been purchased for him through the sufferings of Jesus Christ and applied to his account through the grace of God. And yet while Peter's genuine humility prevented him from boasting in what he had not done or could not do, Peter did rejoice here in what he had received as a free gift through Jesus Christ. For genuine Christian humility never stands in the way of genuine Christian gratitude. It is not failing to be humble, to be grateful. To be honest with you, it's an expression of humility to be grateful. To acknowledge that God is the source of all good that we have. And therefore, if we are truly humble men, we will truly be grateful men. To be truly humble as a Christian, as an elder in Christ's church, is to be truly grateful for what God has done and is doing. Furthermore, as Peter writes to the elders here in this section, he begins by recognizing the common ground and experiences they had in common rather than seeking an opportunity to flaunt his authority over them. Peter reminds them that he knows their calling He knows the many challenges that come with that calling as a fellow elder with them. And Peter knew what a good under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ must patiently endure. Peter knew the great joys of elders of Jesus Christ that they can experience in serving humbly and selflessly for Christ and for his church. And yet again, Peter comes back here in verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 5 to clarify the nature of the elder's office within the church of God. To clarify the nature of the elder's office in the church of God. For without a clear understanding of the serving nature of their office, elders will not be properly guided by self-sacrifice or by genuine humility. Without a mature understanding of the suffering nature of their office, elders will not seek the sustaining grace that they need to endure hardship well." And so now, as Peter seeks to exhort the elders of the church further, he he focuses here on verse 2. Notice verse 2 on the exact nature of their service and how the grace of genuine humility is to be demonstrated in the way that they minister. What is the primary work that Jesus Christ has called elders to do? What is the work that elders are to be known by as they serve among the people of God? Well, Peter tells us what this work is here in the first part of verse 2, where he exhorts them to what? To shepherd the flock of God that is among them, exercising oversight. And needless to say, this exhortation to shepherd the flock of God or to exercise a shepherding role over God's people is full or pregnant of meaning. It's very significant because the work of shepherding God's flock is actually God's own work. The work of shepherding God's flock is actually God's own work. In fact, we read in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, Isaiah 40, And verse 11 of God and prophetically of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. These words, he shall tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. It's primarily God's work to shepherd his people. Christ is the shepherd of this church not men, not fleshly fallible elders, yet in a very profound and incomprehensible sense, the flesh and blood shepherding of God's flock, so to speak, has been entrusted to men who have the gifts for the work and the genuine humility to use those gifts wisely. And notice I I coupled the gifts and the grace together. Not just the gifts, not just the ability to teach, not just the ability to rightly divide the word of God, not just the ability to provide counsel, but the gifts and the grace, the grace of genuine humility. And in the context which God's flock under Christ's rule Is mentioned here men are entrusted with this work by God himself and they are to serve as elders within his body they are not men who are to labor individually the leadership of the church is not a one-man show but they are men who are to labor collectively together to care for God's people. They are men who have been called by God to this work, who have been recognized and appointed by the congregation to be under shepherds under Jesus Christ. That's their work. They've been given this phenomenal work of shepherding God's flock, which is really God's work, but He's entrusted that work to them in a profound way, and He's given them the gifts and the graces to accomplish that work. And the way that these men shepherd, the way that these men tend and care for God's flock and its needs is by exercising oversight. Notice that. Exercising oversight by overseeing, that's the idea, by overseeing the care of the flock, by feeding God's people with the Word of God. In fact, in another place in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul defined this shepherding work of elders when he addressed the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 and verses 28 and 32. Listen to what Paul wrote to the elders in those verses. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Who makes a man an elder? The Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who calls and supplies the man for the work, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And then Paul went on to say in verse 32 of Acts chapter 20, Now I commend you to God and to the word of God. There's the tools that the elder uses, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are being sanctified. And thus the primary work of elders, the ones who are made by the Holy Spirit overseers in the church, is to shepherd God's flock, to care for the spiritual needs of those who have been placed by God under their care. It's not merely the task of educating God's people they have not been called to merely educate, and they certainly have not been called to entertain and amuse God's people. That is an abuse of their office altogether. But they have been charged by God, by the Holy Spirit, by the people of God ordaining them to lead the flock, to stand before the flock to lead them to Jesus Christ, to show in humility how they intend to fulfill their work. And how do they demonstrate humility in the way that they approach and fulfill their calling? Well, notice here, looking back at our text this morning, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 and 3 in particular, that the apostle Peter now identifies several ways that Faithful elders serving in the church of Jesus Christ effectively do this. And let's notice these very, very carefully because these are really important. How do we recognize a truly humble elder of the Lord Jesus Christ? Here's how. First, faithful elders demonstrate humility in their service by giving themselves freely and completely to the work that God has called them to do by giving themselves freely and completely to the work that God has called them to do. For Peter writes, continuing here in verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 5, that elders are not to labor under compulsion, meaning that they are to labor without others having to coax them or convince them or to compel them to offer their service. But rather they are to give their labor and their service willingly from the heart out of love for God and love for God's people as God would have them to do. Or to express this in another way, faithful elders, truly humble elders are not men who need continual or persistent persuasion to carry out their ministry nor are they men who show some reluctance before God or the congregation when it comes to carrying out the service or making the sacrifices that are necessary to fulfill their calling. No doubt we've all seen that before. Maybe some of us have been witnesses to that in a very direct way. Elders who have been reluctant to carry out their calling who've been reluctant to step in the gap, who've been reluctant to provide the service when it is needed, especially if it requires sacrifice. But here Peter says they must be willing and eager to embrace and to carry out their services even to the end. For when it comes to humility and service for elders, there can be no reluctance. There can be no reluctance. When the battle rages... And the battle will rage. And when the safety of the flock is at stake, and there will be times when the safety of the flock is at stake, elders do not have time to sit back and ponder whether they want to serve or whether they want to make sacrifices. And elders who have to be continually persuaded that the battle is worth it will eventually falter And they will lose the confidence of those whom they desire to lead and to bring to Jesus Christ. No faithful elders, elders who show genuine humility are those who embrace what it means to be a servant who say in their own hearts, I am first and foremost a servant of Jesus Christ and I will do whatever my my." Master asks me to do, whatever it is, whatever it entails. Elders who are so wrapped up in uncertainty over what they should be doing will not be able to demonstrate the kind of willing humility that God's flock needs to see. Truly, God's people need to see elders who are fully persuaded of their calling to serve and who are eager to carry it out. Then secondly, Peter states here in our text, continuing in verse 2, that elders demonstrate humility in their service by not being characterized by greed, by not being characterized by greed or the continual pursuit of selfish gain, but by an eagerness, a constant readiness to put the needs of others first. Notice what he says here in verse 2, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And in saying this, Peter is stating that the motivation that elders have for serving is a critical part of what true humility and service is all about. For elders who are only concerned about what they will personally gain by serving are not fit to serve or to lead as elders in the church. Elders who were only engaged in those activities that bring them some kind of personal reward or bring them some kind of recognition or bring them some kind of personal affirmation cannot be viewed as humble. But elders who are willing to set aside their own interests and put the interests of others first will model that genuine humility that Christ demonstrated before others, the the kind of humility that motivated Jesus Christ to lay aside his own glory for the sake of his own people. And therefore, if men would demonstrate genuine humility and service as elders in Christ's church, they must not be motivated by shameful gain, whether that gain comes in the form of flattery Or currency or recognition, but rather they must be eager in a state of constant readiness to serve and have no regard for what they might gain from that service. Do you hear that? No regard to what they might gain from that service. In fact, humble elders want no public or private recognition whatsoever. In fact, if a man is in the eldership for recognition because he needs the affirmation, because he wants the praise, he's in the wrong place. He doesn't need to be in the eldership at all, at all. There's no place for men who are self-seeking, who are attention seekers, who need that kind of affirmation true elders pray that all the recognition for any service that they render goes to Jesus Christ, to Jesus Christ, for who can be an elder in the church of Jesus Christ without Christ? Christ is the one who calls men to the work. Christ is the one who gives men the ability to serve in the church. And then then thirdly, Peter states here in our text and in verse 3 in particular that elders can also demonstrate humility in their service by how they lead, by how they lead. For how a man leads God's people reveals how he sees himself as a leader, and it also reveals what he thinks of those he is called to lead, what he thinks about those he is called to lead. And And how do elders who express genuine humility in Christian service lead? How do they lead? Well, Peter tells us as he exhorts his fellow elders here in verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 5, that they lead, they exercise oversight, not domineering over those in their charge, but as examples to the flock not domineering over those in their charge but examples to the flock. Now why does Peter find it necessary to define leadership in this way? This is a very interesting way to define leadership. I'll tell you why he does. Because when some think of leadership, they think of it in terms of power. And they think of it in terms of Control, maybe even in terms of manipulation. They think of leadership as gaining or maintaining the advantage over others. They think of leadership as a legitimate way to get others to do what you want them to do, even if it's against their will. And sadly, the church in its short history has been plagued by leaders who possess that type of oppressive mentality. They see the people of God as existing for them and for their use. They see the people of God as simply pawns and tools that they can use for their own purposes. And yet, Peter exhorts those who are elders here in our text this morning not to view themselves as those who have a domineering role within the church but as those who have an example to set. There's a big difference, a big difference, those who have an example to set. And Peter also urges these elders not to view those who follow their examples as subjects to be ruled or as servants to be ordered around, but as God's own flock, as those who belong to Jesus Christ. That's why he doesn't abuse them. That's why he doesn't try to manipulate them or domineer over them because they don't belong to him. The people of God do not belong to the elders as a possession. The elders are charged with meeting the needs of the people, of setting an example to the people of how leadership should exist. They are to lead them on the right and just path by their own humility. In fact, as we read Peter's description here in verse 3 of humble Christian leadership, we see that the eldership is no place for any man who has a desire to lead differently than Jesus Christ did. No place for any man who has a desire to lead differently than Jesus Christ did. For any approach to leadership, any approach to shepherding, that seeks to dominate the people of God or that fails to provide an example of humility is unsuited for the people of God whom he loves. For God's people deserve humble servant leaders. Let me repeat that. God's people deserve humble servant leaders. You as the people of God here at Sovereign Grace Baptist Church in Bonham deserve leaders who shepherd you with kindness and grace. Kindness and grace. Are there rewards for such humble service to God's flock? Indeed there are. Not that elders seek after rewards, but because God is good does not forget the labor of his servants. There are rewards for humble service to God's flock. In fact, knowing that even selfless men need spiritual encouragement too, Peter sets before the elders in his audience here in verse 4, the promise that their leader, their chief shepherd, will not forget or overlook their genuinely humble service to him. Where the Apostle Peter assures them here, notice this last verse, verse 4. When the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. For only an uncaring and unsympathetic chief shepherd would fail to recognize and reward that service that is marked by genuine humility, that service that is modeled after his own. And therefore, in this final passage of our text, Peter sets before these elders who serve with genuine humility the comforting assurance of an unfading crown of glory, an unfading crown of glory. Now, brother, and I do not pretend to know the nature of this crown which never fades, But may I suggest that it will not be for admiring, it will not be for polishing throughout eternity, but it will be for casting at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ, the One who made our service possible. In fact, more than one commentator that I consulted on the significance of this unfading crown suggested that it is this crown along with others that are mentioned in Scripture that the 24 elders in Revelation chapter 4 cast before God's throne as an expression of their worship to Christ. But whether that be the case or not, let me emphasize once again here in closing how important it is that the church of God have the right kind of leaders and especially the right kind of elders. For genuinely humble elders are a powerful tool in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Genuinely humble men are the vessels that he has made for honorable use. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21. We need to pray earnestly that God will be pleased to raise up genuinely humble men for leadership and that the Holy Spirit of God will help us to identify these men and to develop these men. We need elders who understand the true nature of leading and shepherding and who are eager and willing to lead by example. May God be pleased to give us wisdom and discernment in these days ahead when it comes to Wisely choosing leaders. Then lastly, I dare not close this morning without saying a word to those who may be here and who are without any kind of faithful and humble shepherd whatsoever. For if you are an unbeliever today, you are without the safety and the care of the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And no earthly shepherd can stand in his place or redeem you. In fact, only Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, demonstrated the God-honoring nature of true humility. He was truly the only truly humble servant of God. When he came to this earth, when he took upon himself the form of a servant, he lived a perfect life, he fulfilled the law of God perfectly. He then offered himself as a sacrifice for sin and for sinners like you. Through his perfect humility, Jesus became the way of salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He became the way of salvation for those who by his saving grace Receive the forgiveness of their sins and a new heart that makes genuine humility a reality. Have you been transformed by the power of his grace? Are you experiencing a life that testifies to that power? Then if not, I plead with you, I urge you, I exhort you this morning, I appeal to you. To call upon Christ today. He is the chief shepherd. He is the ultimate fulfillment of all that we've been talking about today. And he can be your shepherd. By faith. By the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. May God grant that to you today if you're here and outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. May God be glorified through the preaching of his word today. May God... Give eternal life to those who are outside of Christ and may God give his people much joy through the service of faithful humble elders let's pray our God and Father we thank you for your word and for its force and its power for how it transforms our thinking for how it gives us hope how it gives us Stability and we thank you dear Lord for the work of the Holy Spirit who applies that word to our lives. And we ask today that you would bless us with this word that we've heard. Help us to understand what it means to have genuine humility and help us to understand the the critical need for elders in the church who exhibit genuine humility in their service to others. Help us as your people to serve you in the way that you called us to serve you and help us to fulfill our callings in the way that brings you honor and glory and does good and brings good to your church. So bless us through these words. May your Holy Spirit now apply the word in the manner that only he as the Sovereign Spirit can. For we ask these things in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.